Looking into cancer and just going deeper and deeper into these, you know, rabbit trails, it's led me to the mitochondrial aspect. And uh, that is extremely relevant for my next guest, Dr. Laszlo Boris. Uh, he is a pediatric researcher um, on mitochondria and so much more, has an extensive, extensive history in understanding science and so he came on to talk about deuterium which is a field of study that kind of gets deep so uh, if this might be too scientific for you we're going to break it down later into uh, much more digestible pieces but uh, please uh, try to enjoy and learn a lot from dr laszlo boris welcome to the sewing prosperity podcast with host Logan Duvall. This father of four is an Arkansas successful small business owner whose world was turned upside down with the cancer diagnosis of his then five-year-old son. As Napoleon Hill famously stated, every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Come and join us on our journey to create a Blue Zone community with a focus on a holistic approach to anti-cancer, regenerative farming, and strengthening local economies. Dr. Boros, I am so excited to uh, be able to visit with you and just get some of this incredible knowledge and wisdom that you have been able to uh, bring together in uh, some areas that are pretty important. So, uh, you know, cancer brought me to the rabbit trail that is your work. And uh, if you would just give us an introduction to who you are and how in the world you got to talk about something called deuterium. Yeah. Uh I'm I'm getting a lot of inquiries nowadays, and it seems that deuterium is getting into the front kind of line of of discussions. Physicians and curiosity is stepping in, and people are getting more and more affiliated and more and more knowledgeable in this area of deuteronomics. Now there's a science that we, I'm, I'm going to explain this in very lay terms so you can understand easier this process, but there's now science, a college uh, course where you can actually study deuteronomics or deuterium kinetic isotope effects in biological systems <clears throat> as based on your biochemistry type of work. Those are very complicated. I'm not gonna go into details, but practically I came from the same boat in the sense that, you know, health problems, um, chronic diseases in the family of my own, obesity, not feeling good, um, and, uh, <clears throat> cancer in the family. My twin brother died of, of cancer in 2006, and we were identical twins. And uh, <clears throat> to me, it was clearly a new kind of area of applications of health-related <clears throat> issues through nutrition primarily. And through that, understanding a lot of interconnected areas to light, nutrition, water intake, and lifestyle, exercise, habits, just to get more familiar with this whole process of what deuterium and kinetic isotope effects mean for biological uh, systems. And, and, and so we are now uh, pursuing a, I would say, a new era or new times as far as uh, understanding health and understanding just in general well-being or happiness in that matter of how much you know in very simple terms of how to preserve uh, a good balanced kind of health exercise demanding physical mental situations and 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 how to fit in with a healthy approach and it seems that deuterium plays a big huge role in, in all these these areas that we covered and uh, we have been studying uh, deuterium which is a heavy hydrogen for that matter I'm sure 
you know, your audience, um, they also have covered some of the other podcasts that I did with, with, with other investigators. And I, I also have some, some talks and conversations where we cover the, the biochemistry of it. And I'm sure you're talking to other doctors and, and uh, uh, scientists who relate their specific information in the context of deuterium. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a medical biochemist. I'm, I'm a medical doctor by training, and I was mostly doing teaching and research at uh, UCLA until 2021. But practically, <clears throat> it's what it is, is our biological systems all depend on a very fundamental basic function of producing energy for our cells, which is ATP or adenosine triphosphate. And this is done in these very delicate protein nanomotors that are powered by by uh, protons or hydrogen the nucleus of hydrogen it's a positive charged proton without the electron and they power these nanomotors and um, unfortunately or naturally um, there is a isotopic pair of protons or hydrogen in in our environment, in nature, that can also kind of try to fit in everywhere where a proton can fit in because deuterium also has just one proton and another nucleoparticle called neutrons. But the proton, because of its positive charge, it can actually attach to uh, the same chemical locations where protons would be binding to carbons, oxygen, or hydrogen, uh, or, uh, yeah, there are also sulfate and nitrogen bounding sites. Uh, most common ones are carbons and oxygen. But the problem with this deuterium or deuterons, which is the nucleus of this, um, of this uh, hydrogen isotope, is that it's, it's twice as large and it's and it's twice as heavy as we look at the nucleus. And if it binds to a chemical bonds or a location where hydrogen is supposed to be, then it takes about eight to fifteen times more energy to actually move it or move around. So it's it's practically like a glue in your how can I say in your parts that is making things very stiff in the biochemical terms and it makes things very hard to chemically react and also these nanomotors they break as deuterium hit them and uh, or they slow down they stutter and there's mechanical and structural damage and if that happens then your ATP synthesis or your energy production in your cells which has two major kind of ways of how they occur, um, they slow down and, and your cells will eventually die. And when that happens, uh, these cells are taken over by fibrocytes or connective tissue for that matter, and your organs start to have uh, problems and you develop chronic diseases or chronic disease processes. And also if the, you have too much determine your system, then you cannot really respond to environmental uh, stimuli, for example, light, um, for example, electromagnetic fields and electromagnetic resonance. And it just, it, it will impact your entire body and organs, how they perform, how they function and how they can um, work in a concentrated or in a orchestrated manner and chronic diseases develop and the most common diseases are obesity, diabetes, um, neurodegenerative diseases, cancer um, among others but these are the most common ones. These are so common nowadays because of the deuterium in food that uh, we call these chronic disease epidemics for that matter. So it's 60% it's, it's, uh, of the U.S. population 
above the age of 45 or 50, they, they have very serious, severe chronic disease problems. And obviously, it also expands to other age groups. And uh, cancer appears in young people, unfortunately. Uh, they are also obese, and they also have diabetes. And they all come down to this proton-powered nanomotor functions. If they get stuck, then the cells will develop a process we call metabolic or molecular crowding, so the cells are not able to oxidize, burn completely substrates, and you're going to store those in various body parts. And as a matter of, of, of fact, then you're going to have chronic diseases, um, which, which we mentioned. And uh, uh, it is so important that um, now we have applications in almost literally all areas of medicine of how you can overcome deuterium overload and what are the tissue-specific presentation of these deuterium-related issues that kind of cause a broad range of chronic diseases, but the bottom problem is, is, is always the same. It's practically a um, deuterium overload in specific tissues that will actually damage those organs, organ functions, and as a result of that, um, there are <clears throat> um, chronic diseases that you have to treat using certain drugs, but those drugs are not really treating the basic problem or the fundamental problem of deuterium overload. They just kind of try to solve the symptoms or try to kind of control the symptoms. And, and, and as a result of that, uh, you become kind of a hostage of the pharmaceutical industry because there's no better way or there is no other solution that they can offer. Uh, now, people who teach, people who research uh, deuteronomics, we have many other ways of overcoming these disease problems. But practically, the bottom line or the fundamental problem here is that the presence of this heavy proton hydrogen in your moving protein systems or peptides in your body that will be damaged both um, structurally and functionally and and as a result of that you're gonna um, have dead cells in your organs and when that happens connective tissue takes over fibrosis chronic inflammation and uh and and you will develop chronic disease processes. And that's the kind of the short summary of, of what we are looking at here. So when, as you went through that, something that really stuck out for me is uh, when, so with my son, the whole the whole thing there was he came to me one one night and he said, "Dad, my pee's orange." And so I went to the bathroom and then it was it was blood. So it was, you know he was he was five, he was little. And so the the next day, you know, we're in in the uh, this was late at night. This is the next morning. We were at the children's hospital in the ER trying to figure out what's going on. And I remember standing there when this just group of about six doctors and other other people came in to the room so i knew it wasn't going to be good right whatever they're about to tell me and i remember that the kind of the lead said come here i need i want you to fill his stomach and so we we went over there and we palpated it and he pushed it and he said what do you feel and so i felt and it was hard right it was this hard mass and so it was kidney cancer and so as you're talking about deuterium and the firmness and the connective tissue i can't help but think that this played into uh you know that formation based on honestly things that i did and the lack of knowing like what we fed him you know uh, i go back to to all the the rice cereals because he had reflux so they we were told you know he, we got to thicken his food thicken his food uh he was on formula uh you know not 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 breast milk um so just all these little things that i would assume are going to be high deuterium on top of some other factors right that led to that so what do we need to know in the cancer world about deuterium yeah so uh, the the thing is that we are actually carnivores 
now, so we we eat either animals or animal products, like in a good sense. In that, you know, so breast milk or or mother's milk is is practically a a well designed, well created nutritional. Um, I would say fundamental food source for babies that you should be providing as not formulas, but because formulas are, are, are have nothing, very little to do with the natural breast milk, uh, like feeding protocols, meaning that really breast milk has over time as, you know, usually um, babies, they wean off or, 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 toddlers they, they wean off of, of breastfeeding like after like four or five six months they start eating various other foods uh, but breast milk is what contains all the um, nutrients as long as the baby's body size which is about nine ten kilograms by the end of the first year then you you have to supply additional uh, carnivore food or food that keeps them in ketosis or in the fat burning state, low deuterium and deuterium control. So actually the kid's body can kind of deposit deuterium to certain body parts, collagen, bones, where structural proteins function, collagen is one of those, and ligaments to to build a sturdy body. And it's it's the reason why I go to the scriptures to talk about this, the the actually the the, the scriptures talk about um, how the mother's tongue womb can form bones in babies. Um, so these questions are already raised in 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 old text and and the Old Testament um, simply because these have been in the central kind of realm or or thinking of even ancient societies or people who saw these very different tissues being organized. Some of them are structural, some of them are functional, some of them. So a human body, even a baby, has elements and uh, structures that <clears throat> have to be kind of built for certain specific purpose, purposes and, and certain specific functions. And these can only occur and develop if the baby is in ketosis and eats only um, breast milk product or organic, um, like uh, biological material, not plant-based in that sense. And uh, it has just the, the, the necessary amount of deuterium that is necessary for the baby to develop. Do, do not overload those systems that regulate deuterium uh, among and between uh, certain body parts, structural, skeletal, uh, um, proteins, and, and bone structures are different than fast spinning nanomotors in mitochondria. So that deuterium has to be deposited through biochemical processes, which I'm not going to go into much details, simply because those are the job of the doctors and the biochemists who kind of understand those to a point that we can explain certain things. But it's practically like a um, like a hub of a railway crossing or or where freeway freeways cross there are certain directions where certain cars and the trucks have to go certain ways and the cars have to go certain ways because of let's say the border patrol so practically it's a it's a it's a biochemical hub regulating hydrogen and deuterium to to go uh, separate ways and support different body functions and, and body parts. Now, if you overload the system with deuterium, that means some trucks have to stay on like freeway 5 and they don't can go up in the hill, which is too steep for them, and they don't go through the tunnel, 
then they cause problems simply because they they are really not designed to be participating in those biochemical processes. Deuterons are not to power those nanomotors. So if you overload the system, then your body is not able to control or regulate deuterium or prevent deuterium to go to different to tissues where it's not supposed to, and and that's that's most of the time it's through food. It's through formulas that are not designed with low deuterium and not necessarily animal sources, but plant sources. There's a lot of fruits in there which are loaded with deuterium and carbohydrates, and these those babies are not kept in ketosis. Unfortunately, they cannot synthesize and produce their own, their own vitamin D, for example, which is very important based on light, uh, light exposure and low deuterium uh, <clears throat> cholesterol source, which your body can synthesize from the appropriate ketogenic food, which is breast milk for that matter, because your baby lives, your baby is born in ketosis, that means if you measure the baby's um, uh, laboratory uh, parameters, they have a blood sugar of about 2.9 and a ketone body of like one millimole per liter. So that's how the babies are born. It's practically um, baby's ketosis and they stay that. In fact, the mom stays in ketosis because of the morning sickness practically. So. So the the reason of all these metabolic and, and all these nutritional processes during pregnancy is to keep the mom in ketosis, in low deuterium ketosis, and once wow. the baby is born, keep the baby in ketosis. And in fact, this is how you wake up every day. You wake up in ketosis because you burn fat overnight. Sleep, the role of sleep in our life is practically to switch into this metabolic ketosis, which is a deuterium depleting process. And when you have depleted enough deuterium, then, then you, are, you are rested, you wake up, and it doesn't take necessarily long hours to sleep. Maybe you can accomplish this in a few hours if, if you are in ketosis. And um, these all come into one kind of understanding of how you can actually let your body to regulate its own natural functions with the necessary amount of deuterium that is limited, yet it can be uh, used for structural and for, for, for sturdy chemical bonds, but where it has no place like moving, rotating nanomotors, then just discriminate uh, deuterium from those processes. And you can only do this with natural ketogenic low deuterium animal source based on animal source ketogenic or fat-based meat and fat-based diets that have the optimal um, protein and fat content with very little, if any, carbohydrates in them. And uh, it would it would help your body to to allow your body to separate deuterium from hydrogen or protons and deposit those and use the, use the protons primarily for energy production. And when you talk about formulas, when you talk about baby food, if you just look at the bottle, um, you can see that, uh, you know, a <clears throat> human baby would never have what peaches, bananas, um, carrots, um, you know, soy, dried up. Oil. Yes, vegetable oils, uh, which are which are clearly not our food, uh, considering our microbiomes and our biochemistry makeup. We, I know that he also has, uh, you know, some methylation issues based off of I ha I'm, you know, uh, homozygous on uh, MTHFR on on two different uh, SNPs actually. Uh, so I know that he's got at least that. And so then, as you know, we we dove in and learned that folic acid and folate are not the same thing. You know, I was I was dumping folic acid in him through the formula through the rice cereal. Uh, and so you know, you just find out that the synthetic stuff causes way more problems uh, as as we learn. What 
you are saying seems to dovetail and parallel the work of Thomas Seafried like so much as far as the overview, but I've never heard on that a metabolic approach of, of cancer address deuterium is, is, have you ever spoken with, with Dr. Seafried at all? Is that, that collaboration seems to be maybe one of the, the best things we could, we could do. Uh, well, we we do actually um, communicate occasionally when there are papers coming out and there are topics to discuss. Um, actually, he was not the first who described cancer as a metabolic disease. It was a German scientist called Otto Warburg. He observed the fact that uh, uh, tumor cells produce lactic acid from glucose. And then in 1996, I wrote a paper in Medical Hypotheses where I explained how uh, glucose is used in tumor cells and how the pentocycle, how mitochondrial processes use carbohydrates, in fact, glucose for that matter. We, we labeled glucose with 1, 2, 13, C, 1, in, 1 and 2 position with 13 C, uh, uh, glucose with heavy carbons, and we were using mass spectrometry. So Thomas Seyfried came very late in this game. Um, so his uh, contributions are most related to mitochondrial metabolism and uh, <clears throat> some of the those approaches biochemically. He's not a, a medical doctor; he's a biologist, as I, as as I understand. And uh, we do exchange, you know, scientific uh, um, topics and, and questions. We discuss those sometimes, but um, the detailed biochemical kind of deuterium-related issues are more important than talking about substrates in general. Awesome. Because... I, uh -huh. I, got, I got one more as you go into that. As... Because... It, it's really interesting as you follow along, you can take out pieces and then the puzzle kind of starts coming together a little bit more for somebody, an uneducated country boy from Arkansas, right? Me, <laughs> you know, as, as I get to hear from experts in these different fields, it just helps me piece it together. Uh, another aspect as I understand hydrogen is unbelievably important is a connection with melanin. And then the sunlight. I know that you have mentioned that a few times, even just as as we're talking. Can you help me understand a little bit better of hydrogen and that deuterium depleted water in regards to this this energy production and light? Yeah, sure. Uh, so. Uh, you have to think of, of, of hydrogen as, as the ping-pong ball on the ping-pong table where carbon and oxygen are playing a game, meaning that they use protons or use hydrogen to transfer energy from water, which is H2O, and it's getting broken by sunlight in plants, and the oxygen is released as oxygen gas, O2, and hydrogen is attached to carbon dioxide, and this is how organic molecules are synthesized. So light comes in, blue light and red light. That's why you see all plants, most of them green, simply because the green uh, spectra arrives to your eyes because plants don't use it, but they, use, they capture the, the red and the blue from the, the, the full spectra because they, they use them for biochemical purposes. With the red light, they break water, and with the blue light, they, they capture this, this, these protons and they, have, um, they, they attach them to carbon dioxide with the half of this light, energy coming from light, different spectra. So, and there are many interconnected co connected reactions in the process, but what really matters is that this organic material that plants produce and animals eat them, then the animals can actually burn or oxidize this organic material, produce carbon dioxide, use oxygen, and produce water. So it's, it's the reverse process um, of 
of R. And this is usually this this is the type of arguments that Jack Cruz is using in his um, kind of uh, biochemistry blurs. But those are actually my connections of how we connected those dots and how those are relate to each other as far as uh, producing organic material, then oxidizing organic material, and how there's in and between the two discrimination processes that actually keep your body low in the tomb when it comes to a carnivore diet. So eventually, uh, deuteronomics explains the process of how you produce um, what you use from nature, water, and carbon dioxide, and how you produce organic material that actually you can burn into water and carbon dioxide that you exhale. And this is kind of a, a, a circle of life where protons or hydrogen play a very crucial role because from oxygen they jump to carbons, and from carbons they jump back to oxygen. So it's practically a, uh, through photosynthesis and and from photosynthesis to biological oxidation. So it's what you see here is a very fundamental, simple equation as far as biochemistry is concerned, how protons are part of this energy transfer from sunlight to your mitochondria to produce metabolic water. And deuterium-depleted water is practically what your mitochondria is producing. So if you don't have mitochondria that are functioning efficiently, then you have to provide this water from an outside source. That means you have to drink depleted deuterium-depleted water to actually produce this met to actually drink metabolic water instead of producing metabolic water, or you actually help your body to deplete deuterium through water if it's not able to produce sufficient amounts or there are mitochondrial damage or there are uh, deuterium overloads, there are mitochondria non-functioning non mitochondria in your tissues, in your, in your body. And for that matter, you have to deplete deuterium from the outside. And the fastest, the quickest way to do this is through drinking deuterium depleted water then you can actually use carnivore, grass-fed, natural habitat, um, uh, uh, pasture-raised animals, uh, animal fat. And when your mitochondria oxidize those fatty acids, your mitochondria will produce this deuterium-depleted water. And you can provide this from outside. That's what deuterium-depleted water drinking is. You can actually attach or use this in connection with food, which is natural grass-fed animal fat, if you're on a carnivore diet, and then maybe eat a, a very little bit of greens with them. But you probably want to stay away from fruits. You want to stay away from high-carbohydrate, uh, high-deuterium uh, processed food. Definitely, you want to stay away from animals that are grain fed um, or have total nutrition supplements, um, farm raised, simply because those are actually sick animals already that have an overload of deuterium. So even their fat is not safe to burn in your mitochondria. So they can actually cause the same diseases as the animals we are suffering from. Those are actually... Um, biochemical or, or metabolic diseases that the animals have. And we, we published extensively on these issues simply because we wanted to understand for ourselves uh, what is the problem with these processed food items? Why do they cause disease in such an epidemical or epidemic scales for that matter? And uh, <clears throat> the key to understand that is practically their deuterium content and to compensate for that is the tomb depleted water is the first thing that you want to supply. What kind of things have you seen with cancer patients that have included a deuterium depleted water, uh, you know, protocol or just utilization? Uh, Gabo Shomia, I'm not a clinician, so I I research and teach these things, but I'm 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 not. Uh, 
working with patients directly, meaning that I'm, I'm not a, a clinician in the sense that I'm, I'm not directly sure. advising patients. I'm working with doctors who want to learn about deuteronomics and take those to the bedside. But it's, it's Gabor Shomiai, who you probably you heard his name. He wrote a few books about uh, how to treat cancer with deuteronomic water. And there are protocols that are described in his book of how to use the team depleted water and what kind of cancers there are. And those include prostate cancer, lung cancer, pancreatic cancer, I believe kidney cancer, and and uh, brain cancer. Uh, and and I list I, I think the, the list there are case reports and there are also there are also blinded um, uh, uh, randomized studies. Uh, I think uh, uh, prostate cancer. One of those studies relates to prostate cancer, but but practically, um, I would assume all cancers eventually could be treated with the appropriate approach. Two two things I'm really really curious about is how receptive oncologists have been in in your your experience, and then on the 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 carnivore what. Why do you believe that, you know, the human, the proper human diet is going to be more carnivore based and does eating meat exacerbate cancer? Have, is, have you seen anything to that argument uh, as far as if you have cancer, you should not eat meat? Well, uh, again, um, it, it's, it's not cancer related. It's, it's, it's your basic phenotype, your metabolic phenotype, your metabolic uh, imprint is what you what determines what you should eat. Um, uh, oncologists are, I would say, not too all open to. I mean, most of them I I spoke with are not too open for anything other than pharmaceutical kind of interventions or f- pharmaceutical approaches or you know drugs for that matter. So we are pretty much on our own. My my identical twin died of, of esophageal cancer, and I had a Barrett's esophagus, so they were going to send me to an oncologist, and I told them that's definitely not an option because that's how my brother died, unfortunately, in 2006. So I, I started eating a ketogenic animal fat-based natural diet, and so far... In the last twenty years, it worked out pretty pretty well, but um, it's it, it's practically what is your metabolic makeup, what your mitochondria is designed to do, and what provides those uh, low deuterium fat sources that your mitochondria's optimal fuel source or optimal fuel is that that's what I'm trying to kind of put into the context of, of medic, medicinal or medical biochemistry. Um, apparently, there are plants that are <clears throat> low in deuterium, uh, not fertilized, not GMO, um, with, uh, you know, certain amounts you can easily incorporate in your diet if you feel like it. Uh, but on a very limited, on a very kind of one to eat basis, because I'm I'm I mostly want meat. It's it's not it's nothing that I really against of anything. I'm I, that's what I like to eat, and um, this is what serves my my best health as as I can, you know, go through my family history and and high feel. And and also, um, uh, there's no day that I wouldn't think about my nanomotors. Pretty much like when you pull to a gas station and you have to pick the optimal gasoline for your car, 
You could put in diesel, you can put in gasoline, there are different octanes, there are different levels. So you, you, you kind of have to do this for your body too, because those are actually nanomotors. They do the same process as your engine does. They burn car, you know, hydrocarbons. They, your car does the same. It uses oxygen from air, it uses spark plug, which is the electron transport chain, and it uses hydrocarbons, which is like, you know, organic um, animal-based um, uh, fuel, which is fat and oil. So it's it's practically a, a very simple, knowing your body's mechanics is what determines what kind of oil, what kind of fuel, what kind of um, a clean source, most efficient fuels you have to put in, and those are animal fat, uh, saturated long-chain animal fat, grass-fed with the lowest deuterium possible, because you don't want your gasoline to be low-grade, um, have sand in it, which is pretty much how deuterium acts, um, in your uh, biological systems, it just clogs your engine. It just it just doesn't let your nanomotors to spin. So, are these arguments and are these biochemical reactions that we studies they they most they they benefit the most from low deuterium animal burning low deuterium animal animal fat as 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 long as they're um, um, but their, their uh, function is concerned, and deuterium has to be deposited in structural molecules, mostly collagen and bone collagen, but there are biochemical processes that can separate hydrogens from protons. So that's what the kind of uh, the trick or the secret of, of, of health, I believe. So with how deep you are into the science of, of how the metabolic aspect of that, how important is this kind of regenerative localized meat farming to overall health? Well, that's practically key to your health for that matter. It's, it's um, you, if you are live under the same photon pressure and electromagnetic resonance environment with your animals that you raise and you 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 eat and the plants that they eat have the same photon pressure and 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 electromagnetic resonance exposure then you form a fauna or a living um, um, environment where you can actually use each other's resources because those plants will use your carbon dioxide that you read out, breathe out, you exhale, and those um, um, plants will use your, your, your fertilizers, if you, if you, if you will, uh, that your cows are dropping around the field and they do know how to take care of their own land as far as their dishes or their pasture uh, behavior or, or feeding habits are concerned. And you can actually get the best food source, the best energy source, and the cleanest energy source if you eat locally, if you eat known sources, and those have no uh, industrial manipulations whatsoever. And your body knows what to do with those. And again, it's a biblical story that you know, when Noe is coming off its ark, the the Lord asks tells him to eat meat. And 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 that's that's a again, it's a very logical process in the old testament of how these nutritional recommendations or laws are provided by the Lord and eventually what will settle mankind in a more prosperous way. Because if you Look at the what happened in the Garden of Eden. Both Adam and Eve got crazy after devouring on figs, probably with the highest fructose. It's the worst cocaine addiction that is when you are addicted to fructose, and that's what the Lord wanted them to be like, not to try that. And sure enough. 
it needs a new Bible translation or it needs a new Old Testament translation from the science point of view, which we are doing right now. But actually the the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, it has very many scientific and, and, and natural science, nutritional recommendation and laws that we should not ignore. And eating so how do you balance that? How do you balance this? Because I feel like most anybody that is is uh, deep into academia is either atheist or agnostic or they they don't have any uh, most. Uh, this You know, that's probably a too blanket statement, but there, everything goes back to this evolutionary uh, component from them. And, and there's just like the Bible and God. uh are, are irrelevant to the conversation. How do you balance Well, that? you need to kind of look at the troubles there are now developing around evolution as, a, as an idea. If you look at genomic, genome research or genomics research, genome research, there's a journal article that shows that um, actually it seems like uh, the driving force behind evolution, which are point mutations providing more advantages uh, characteristics or phenotypic uh, features is not true. So as genomics is developing, as genomics is, is, is uh, using more and more, um, I would say, detailed and mechanistic approaches to study evolution from the genetics point of view, it's failing more and more. So you cannot really prove the principles of evolution using genomics uh, research. And, and for that matter, you, you have to explain or look for some other <clears throat> explanations. And the Bible or the old scriptures have, again, some very important crucial guidelines, but you, you kind of have to look into those details through the eyes of a scientist, not necessarily a theologian. It, it's not a religious type of approach. It, religion has nothing to do with what those scriptures contain. Those are actually very ancient writings. Some of them are inscripted, uh, not even Hebrew, but, but writing uh, even before Hebrew was. Uh, they use these skida or skite uh, characters uh, the book of Job and the f five book of books of Moses in the Qumran rolls, you probably heard that they have various mm -hmm. sources of um, they have various sources of uh, of these scriptures using different writings, and that means this knowledge goes back to very very like uh, early times. The earliest. Um, archaeological scriptures that we can identify are the the discs of Tatar Loka, which were discovered in um, Transylvania. Those are seven and a half thousand years old, and they already have the chemical symbols of hydrogens, deuterium, oxygen, and carbon. And they also have a triplet, which is a DNA take uh, the, the triplet code of DNA with even the sugar bone that three comma five comma sugar orientation between the bases uh, three bases are shown there which actually determine an amino acids uh, during protein synthesis and uh, <clears throat> so th there are we actually teach this in the deuteronomics course in um, in 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 the Vrij University in Amsterdam, it's probably the most surprising to everybody else that you can actually discover chemical elements, symbols on a seven and a half thousand years old disc. And uh, I'll yeah. send you the link where you can actually watch these talks. Those are breathtaking. Because, Thank you. Because it's it's so I listen. You don't. Um, you know, I've been in academics for for as long as I was like doing medicine. I'm I'm a I'm a teacher and a and a and a, and a researcher, and I have to tell you that the most fundamental information for me are in these very ancient archaeological <clears throat> findings and also in the in the scriptures. 
<clears throat> that's practically it requires a, a new translation or a new interpretation of those uh, laws and those commands by the Lord. Um, it, they need to be reprocessed for and from the current knowledge of natural sciences as there are. We have to understand how those texts were written in the sense that those are not details, but those are actually principles. Those are not uh, equations, but more like uh, pictures or, or some visual or some imagination related based on the text. You have to use your your conscious to, to explain those texts, but those are actually very accurate and scientifically very logical to to look at the um, like how the human body operates, how evolution, if you will, would be fitting in the first book of Moses, which is Genesis. It actually it talks about evolution of it actually defines species better than Darwin ever did. And uh, you just have to be open-minded. I'm, I'm not an academic, so I'm not a theologian, I'm not a religious interpreter of these uh, uh, principles. I'm, I'm a scientist, a, a hardcore biker. I work with numbers. I'm, I'm, that's what I've been doing through my entire life. But most of the answers are in these scriptures and these archaeological findings, as surprising as it is. I love that. I love hearing that. It, uh, it, I love everything that you just said. Well, what, uh, what motivates you and how can, how can we help and how can we support and, and what's, what's next? Well, I do have a website, which is uh, LazloGBoros.com. There are consultations. Uh, analyze this. You just type in what it is. It's I think it's very cheap. It's $80 an hour. Um, any specific question you want to ask, uh, obviously with the appropriate data and scientific uh, um, literature, we can research those and we can answer those uh, likely. And um, it's practically just a very interactive way of talking about deuteronomics or deuterium research and apply this to your own problems. Uh, I cannot answer every question, but I'm sure we can talk about everything based on the principles of deuteronomics. And what's really interesting is that we learn from each other because every new conversation, every new consultation gives me very important information and it's the other way around as well. I love it. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. And, you know, just it takes a lot of work to put out information and package it to where it can help other people. And then uh, so much behind the scenes that nobody will ever know that you have done. But uh, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, you know, your work's made a big impact on me as I continue to try to understand it. Sure. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Again, Dr. Sure. Boris. Thank you so much for uh, for talking Thank you for joining us on Sowing Prosperity. Be sure to follow along across the social media platforms, including YouTube, and be sure to go to sowingprosperity.com.